The scripture reading is going to be taken from Luke 24, 13 through 27. That's Luke 24, 13 through 27. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they they came back saying that they had even seen an, a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Luke 24, this is the uh, scripture passage that we're going to be working out of this morning. Let's, let's start off with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you uh, for our dads. Some dads uh, weren't stellar dads. Other stad- dads were great dads. But, but Lord, you provided all of them, and you had a, a, a purpose in our lives for all of them, no matter what they were like. And, and Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that uh, you guide our lives. We thank you uh, that you bring people uh, and situations into our lives so that we can grow closer to you. And Lord, we pray that this morning as we uh, look into your word, that you might touch our hearts and that you might uh, bring us closer to you this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So Luke 24 Have you ever found yourself uh, in a situation where a person walks up to you just as you're talking about that person to someone else? It's a little awkward, right? Even if you're not saying anything bad about them, it's still kind of an awkward situation. Now, if you are saying something bad about them when they walk up, then it's a really, really awkward situation. Well, when I was in high school, uh, I remember there was a situation where Uh, I was on the bus going home, and it was a CTA bus. It wasn't a school bus, so you didn't have the same kids on the bus all the time. It was just kind of, you know, the CTA bus came, and you just kind of packed as many people as you could physically fit onto the bus, and it was just packed as it's rolling down the street. And so we were on the bus, and we we had a group of kids uh, on the bus, and they started talking about uh, one kid. 
I didn't know the kid that they were talking about. I knew of him, but he was a kid who was a little bit different. He, you know, he didn't look like everybody else. He didn't talk like everybody else. Uh, he didn't act like everybody else. And so he was a, a kid that everybody picked on. I'd never met him. I'd never been any in any classes with him, uh, but I knew of him. I knew his name um, just because people made fun of him all the time. So as we were on the bus, uh, it, it started rolling and kids started talking about this kid. And I jumped on the bandwagon. I had no reason to jump on the bandwagon, but I did just because I don't know why, maybe to get a laugh or something. And then I noticed that the kids uh, all of a sudden got kind of quiet and I looked behind me and the kid was sitting right behind me. And I felt terrible. I felt this big. We do that sometimes, don't we? We talk about people when they're not around. And all too often the things that we're saying are not things that we would say if they were standing right next to us, good or bad. How many have seen the movie Bambi? All right, remember at the beginning of the movie when, when Bambi's just first born and he's first trying to stand up and his legs are all wobbly and everything, and Thumper runs up and says, he doesn't walk very good, does he? And Bambi's mother says, Thumper, yes, Mama, what did your father tell you this morning? If you can't say anything nice, don't say nothing at all. Well, kudos to Thumper's dad. You know, on, on, on Father's Day, got to give a kudos to Thumper's dad. He had it right, and this is a lesson that I think we can all learn. Well, in Luke 24, starting at verse 13, we read about two people who were speaking about Jesus, not realizing that they were speaking to Jesus. Let's take a look at verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So right off the bat, I've, I've got two questions. The first question is, uh, it starts off at verse 13, who were the two of them, right? The verse tells us that very day, two of them were going to Emmaus. Two of what? Two of who? And the other question I have is, what were they talking about? It says, and they were talk with, talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So to find out who it is we're talking about and what they're talking about, let's jump back to verse 1. Uh, of chapter 24, it says this, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? Ah, and then they remembered this, 
They remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. So this kind of answers these first two questions. What were they talking about? They were talking about the, the crucifixion, the kangaroo court, everything that had happened on Good Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus, this great prophet. And the second thing, the second answer we get is, who are these people? Well, on, on that last verse there, verse 8, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. So these two guys were among all the rest, quote unquote. They were believers, they were disciples, but they weren't among the apostles. They weren't among the original disciples, the original apostles, but they were disciples. They were following Jesus around, they were with the apostles, they were intrigued by this man Jesus, by this prophet, and they were uh, learning whatever they could learn from him. And then lo and behold, as they're following Jesus around, Jesus is arrested and crucified, and now he's gone. So here they are. They're walking away from Jerusalem now, and they're walking to Emmaus. Why? Well, the passage doesn't specifically tell us why, but it would be reasonable to assume that they may have just wanted to get out of Dodge, so to speak, right? I mean, it looked like Jerusalem was a pretty dangerous place at this time. The things that had gone on the past few days with the riots and the mob and them grabbing Jesus and pulling him to the cross and crucifying him. If you were a follower of Jesus, this didn't seem like a very safe place to be right now. So they hit the road. Obviously, Jesus wasn't the Messiah. He couldn't have been, right? Because he's dead. And clearly the scripture told them that the Messiah was going to redeem Israel. This man didn't re redeem Israel. He was crucified. He's dead. He's in the tomb now. So obviously he must have been wrong. So these guys hit the road and they move on to Emmaus. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Why were their eyes kept from recognizing him? Well, we'll find out in a minute. Verse 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So in other words, Clopas, Cleopas kind of stops and he goes, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What do you mean, what are we talking about? Jerusalem is full of people. It's the Passover. People have come from all over the country and beyond to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. Everybody in Jerusalem, visitor or resident, everybody knows what's going on. Are you kidding me? You really don't know what's going on? Verse 19, and he said to them, what things? So again, Jesus is playing along. What, what things? What are you talking about? And he said to them, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. 
but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. So this response from these two guys is, is kind of interesting. There's a few things in here that I'd like to take a look at. First of all, they referred to Jesus as a prophet. Now, this kind of gives us uh, an indication as to where they were in terms of their, their maturity, right, in, in their walk with Jesus. The fact that they referred to him as a prophet means they didn't yet see him as Savior. They didn't yet see him as the Son of God. The apostles would not have referred to him as a prophet. So right away, we see that they're, they're a little bit immature in their faith yet. The second thing is that we notice that they were aware that the third day held some kind of significance, right? Verse 21, they mentioned that it's now the third day. Well, earlier that day, we already read, the angels had talked to the women, and the angels reminded the women that Jesus would rise on the third day. And we read that these women then came back and told the apostles and these uh, newer believers, these newer disciples, including these two, that Jesus was going to rise on the third day. The third thing is that they said that he had, they had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They had hoped. They were expecting Jesus to kick the Romans out. They were expecting Jesus to kick them out, take over the government, and sit on the throne of David and rule as king, small k. They didn't understand that he did redeem Israel. And he did it in such a way that was so vastly superior to their expectations that it was beyond their ability to even notice it. God is in the business of exceeding our expectations. Now, you may have noticed that a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't here. I was in New York City. I was on a business trip. I was there for a trade show. And uh, as I was telling Pastor Lucas that I was going to be gone and that he was going to have to find somebody to, to cover for me doing the music that week. Uh, I told him that I was going to be staying in Times Square. And he said, oh, you should hook up with my brother. My brother goes to Times Square Church. Now, it was very funny to me that he said that because I was, before he even mentioned Times Square Church, I was actually thinking about visiting Times Square Church. Because when I was in New York City one other time for the same trade show back in 2002, I remember I was walking back from the convention center, walking to the hotel, and I walked past this big Broadway theater building. And I noticed that on the door it said Times Square Church, and the pastor's name was David Wilkerson. Now, some of you may know who David Wilkerson is. I knew who David Wilkerson was because when I was a kid, I had a comic book called The Cross and the Switchblade. And the comic book was based on a book called The Cross and the Switchblade. There was also a movie at that time called The Cross and the Switchblade. And this was the story of David Wilkerson. 
And so right away, I recognized that name and I thought, wow, no kidding. This is David Wilkerson's church. Well, in a nutshell, the story goes like this. When David Wilkerson was a brand new pastor, young guy back in the 1950s, he was pastoring a small country church. And he kept seeing stories on the news about these gangs, these street gangs in New York City, and the violence and the drugs and just everything that was going on. And he felt led, he felt like God was calling him to go to New York City. And of course, you know, he thought, I'm, I'm just a little country preacher. What, what can I do? So to make a long story short, he went to New York City and he started inserting himself into these gangs. He started going to where the gangs were. He started talking to these violent gang members and he started telling them about the love of Jesus Christ and how God can change their lives. Well, over a long period of time, he got to know some of these guys. And there was one particular street gang called the Mau Mau's that was very, very violent. And their leader was a guy by the name of Nicky Cruz. In the movie, Pat Boone played David Wilkerson and Eric Estrada played Nicky Cruz. Now, at, after some period of time, uh, David Wilkerson would hold these evangelistic rallies in New York City. And lo and behold, the gang comes to one of these evangelistic rallies. And as he's calling people to come forward, asking people to dedicate their lives to Christ, one guy after another from the gang starts coming forward. And the last guy to come forward was the leader, Nicky Cruz. Now, Nicky Cruz was a very violent individual. His parents were Satan worshipers. They would hold animal sacrifices in their apartment. They would hold seances in their apartment. He could remember when his parents would be possessed by demons and just going crazy. And this is his upbringing. And he comes forth and he commits his life to Christ. Now think about this. What did I just say? God is in the business of exceeding our expectations, right? Who would have thought if that was me going into New York City, man, I would have been happy if just one person, just one person would listen to the message that I was trying to say. And yet God takes this entire street gang and turns them around. He takes Nicky Cruz and turns him around. And not only does he turn him around, Nicky Cruz spends the rest of his life ministering, preaching the gospel to other people. He still does it today. God is in the business of exceeding our expectations. And so here are these guys walking to Emmaus, and they're thinking, this guy didn't redeem Israel. Little do they know that not only did God redeem Israel, but he redeemed all of mankind. So verse 17, as they're walking, they're sad. They're fleeing Jerusalem because they don't believe the women. They don't believe that these angels really stood at the tomb and told the women that Jesus is risen. They didn't believe. So here they are telling all of this to Jesus and not even realizing that he's the one they're talking about. 
And because of the fact that they didn't recognize him, they spoke freely. I don't think they would have poured out their hearts and expressed their frustrations the way that they did if they knew that this was Jesus that they were talking to. But they didn't know, so they spoke freely. So going back to our question before, why were they kept from recognizing him? Because God had big plans for their ignorance. He had plans for their ignorance. We look at our ignorance and we think, man, I'm, I'm worthless. Why am I so ignorant? And yet God had plans for their ignorance. This was a teachable moment. Their hearts were longing. They had questions. They wanted answers. And they were in a state of readiness to hear the truth in a way that they had never been at any other time in their lives. So Jesus shows up to take advantage of this teachable moment. So here they are walking along, talking about Jesus without realizing that they're talking to Jesus. But they weren't being mean. They weren't being mean. They were just expressing their frustrations, their, their confusion, their feelings, their sadness, their disappointment, their fear. They're openly expressing these things to Jesus. And how does he respond? Verse 25. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. All the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus first rebukes them for not believing the Old Testament prophecies about him, but then he starts giving them a Bible study. He starts pointing to all of these Old Testament scriptures. One of them he probably pointed to would have been Psalm 22. Now, I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but listen to this for a minute. This Psalm 22 is written a thousand years before Christ was even born. And listen to this and think about whether or not this sounds like Good Friday. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. <clears throat> For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Isaiah 53, here's another passage that Jesus probably explained to these two. Isaiah 53 was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. Listen to some of these verses. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, 
and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. <clears throat> but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. These are just some of the Old Testament prophecies concerning Jesus, concerning the suffering that he went through. Now, just imagine you're traveling, right? Maybe you're at O'Hare Airport and you're sitting at the gate waiting for them to announce that you can walk onto the plane. And you're, you're sitting there and, and maybe you're feeling down about your faith. Maybe you're having doubts about your faith. Now imagine some guy sits down next to you. He's wearing khakis, wearing a golf shirt, short hair, glasses, clean shaven. Imagine he sits down next to you and he starts teaching you about Psalm 22 and how it re relates to the Messiah. And he starts teaching you about Isaiah 53 and he starts telling you about how that points to Jesus. You don't recognize that he's Jesus because he doesn't look the way he's always looked in all of the paintings you've seen. And yet, this is exactly what happened to these two guys. Traveling, guy walks up to them. He doesn't look like Jesus to them. And yet, he starts unfolding the scriptures to them in a way that they had never heard it before. Jesus wasn't offering something new. He wasn't a cult leader. He wasn't coming up with some new philosophy and then trying to convince them to believe in this philosophy. He was unwrapping for them the scriptures that they had already heard, the scriptures that they had already grown up with, the Old Testament scriptures. He gave meaning to these passages that they had never been able to see before. He took these passages and he tied it to this Jesus this person that they had been following. But he still didn't tell them who he was. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it 
and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? So Jesus took the lead now, just like he always did. Whenever we see him sitting down to dinner, he did what he always did. Even though he was the guest, he was the one who took the bread, broke it, and gave thanks. And at that point, the eyes of these two people were opened. They recognized that it was Jesus. And as soon as they recognized that it was Jesus, guess what? His work was done. Boom. Gone. Vanished. Verse 32, they say, did not our hearts burn within us? You see, Jesus makes the scripture come alive, not just figuratively, but literally. He makes the word come alive. He can preach with an authority like no one else in history, but he also literally is the word of God. All scripture points to him. All scripture is from him, is inspired by him. When you open up the, the gospel of John, the very first thing it says is, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John was talking about Jesus. Verse 33, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So now here these guys, they had just fled from Jerusalem, right? They walked seven miles, probably took them a couple of hours. They were probably pretty tired. They sat down to have dinner. They sat down to settle in for the night. And now, boom, they find out that this guy that they were walking with was Jesus. Well, guess what? Now it doesn't matter anymore that it's dangerous back in Jerusalem. It doesn't matter anymore that it's dark outside. It doesn't matter anymore that they're tired from the long walk. It doesn't matter anymore that they're hungry. They get up and they walk back to Jerusalem because they have to find the 11. They have to tell the 11 what happened. Why did Jesus pick them? Why did he pick the guys who were scared? Why did he pick the guys who were fearful, who were doubting? Why did he pick the guys who were sad? Now, I could say it was because he loved them. But the thing is, he loved everybody, right? I think it was because they, that God brought them into this situation specifically for this moment. I believe that God had planned this all along. I believe that God um, guided their lives so that they would be brought to this time and place with those very questions, with those very concerns, with those very fears. That meeting with Jesus was planned by God before those men were ever born. That, that meeting with Jesus was planned before the foundation of the earth had been laid. Do you ever think about the fact that Jesus picked you? Jesus picked you the same way that he picked these two. 
John 6, says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. You ever think about the fact that the events of your life happen for a reason? That God can use those doubts, those fears, those weaknesses, all of those discouragements, all of those things that you get down on yourself about, do you realize that God can use those to build you? We walk with Jesus every day. We kind of know that intellectually, but without a physical person sitting there or standing there next to us, it's hard for us to comprehend that God is with us, right? I mean, if Jesus were standing next to you in a physical human form, would we say the things that we say? Would we do the things that we do? Or would we be a little more careful about the words that we choose, and the things that we say, and the things that we do? If some guy cuts you off in traffic, can you see Jesus sitting next to you, teaching you patience? When a doctor gives you a bad report, can you see Jesus standing with you, teaching you to trust in him and to have faith? Those guys weren't mean. They were confused. And it was understandable. They didn't know what to believe. Was Jesus alive, like the women had said? Was his body stolen? Was I wasting my time by putting my faith in him? Yet Jesus sought them while they were still strangers. And he still walks with us today. And he still seeks us. Even after we become believers, he still seeks us because there's still more for us to learn. As long as we draw breath on this earth, there's still more for us to learn. We still have room to grow. We're going to close the service with a hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I'm going to read a few words to you from this song. This is out of the second stanza that we're going to sing. It says, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, just like these two guys were wandering away from Jerusalem, trying to escape. He, to rescue me from danger, bought me with his precious blood. And then verse 3, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at our lives, we look at our failures, we look at all the times that we have no compassion for others. We look at all the times that, that we fail you over and over again. We think about all of the times that we fail our family, we fail our friends, and we sin over and over again. We think about and we see all of the, the, the times in our lives when we have fallen short, and yet your word says that you can use these things. You can use these experiences. You can use the times that we've fallen on our faces to build us and to draw us closer to you. We thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us. We thank you that you don't discard us the way we deserve to be discarded. We thank you, Lord, that you come after us
that you sought after us. And we thank you, Lord, that this morning you can present your word to us. Lord, be with us. Help us. Lord, to realize when we are talking about people, help us to realize that you are with us. Help us to mind our tongue and the words that we use, but at the same time, after we've sinned, help us to also realize that we are not condemned if we put our faith and trust in you, but that you continue to seek after us, that you want us to be with you. Lord, we thank you for all of these things. In your holy name we pray, amen. And now please stand and let's sing together the, the song of which those words um, I just recited. Come thou fount of every blessing. It's hymn number 11.